I've created an innovation map, or as I like to call it, the map of all creation, which shows the seven steps that all human beings go through on a hero's journey to make or create or produce any kind of thing. Welcome to the My Future Business Show, where we get you in front of your best audience and keep you there. Not only are we interviewing the biggest names in business to help you become even more successful, we're inviting you to book your spot on the show to help you grow your business. So at the end of the call, make sure you fill in the interview application form at myfuturebusiness.com forward slash interviews. Hi, and welcome back to the My Future Business Show. My name is Rick Nusky. It's so wonderful to have you with us on the show that gets you in front of your best audience and keeps you there. And thank you so very much for the support that you're showing me. I love reading through your feedback. It's wonderful knowing that the show is making a difference for you. Now, on today's show, I'm with the wonderful Anya Karina Powell. How are you, Anya? Hi, Rick. Yeah, thanks yeah. for yeah absolutely my pleasure that's for sure and certain now you and i were just talking about where you are in the world and uh, a few other topics along the way but just to give people the context uh, who are listening on you uh, we're going to be talking about uh, the fact that you're obviously a business owner you're an interdisciplinary scientist an innovation expert and an international top five percent coach and we're going to be talking about how uh, to become a creative catalyst and lead a profitable purpose-driven innovation revolution for your kids, existing clients, and community. Wow, that's a mouthful to get out. <laughs> yeah, so it's wonderful to have you here. And, uh, you know, what, what we'd like to do, Anya, is we, we step away from the core uh, call itself and we learn a little bit about you first. So I'm wondering if we can, I guess, unravel a bit about you. Um, where were you born? Where are you now? And that sort of thing. Okay. Well, I'm Australian by birth and I used to say German by blood. <laughs> My parents Although recent DNA test shows I have no German blood. Oh. Um, so um, let's leave that to one side. But um, with my German passport, I did come to work in Europe 20 years ago and I've been here ever since. So right now I'm in the UK, beautiful yep. city. Bath, you know, World Heritage City, like living in a movie, really. It's Fantastic. Pretty. Now, what, what what inspired you, or was there a reason that you uh, started speaking German? Oh no, no, no! My parents are German, oh. so it's my first language, and um, so I have European citizenship as a result. And yeah, that's that's why I'm able to be here, or was able to begin with. Now, of course, after Brexit. I have my official residency and everything like that. Very nice. It's obviously a beautiful place. What's some of the things that you enjoy there the most? What's the standout feature for you, a landmark? A landmark. Oh, my goodness. I mean, Bath itself is... Um, I live right inside the old city and uh, all the buildings are the same age, you know, late 1800s, uh, 1700s, early mm -hmm. 1800s. And, um, I mean, if you've seen Bridgerton, half of that was filmed in Bath yes. and um, that kind of thing. But um, interestingly, and I suppose this gets us straight into the, the my mindset on innovation, one of the things that struck me about Europe from the beginning, and especially Bath, is you have all this gorgeous old stuff um, and it really is preserved. And then you go inside and it's completely modern. And so you have this beautiful combination of old and new. Mm -hmm. um, 
So that is actually one of the things that I really, really love about Bath in particular and um, Europe in general. Well, that was going to be uh, one of my points of conversation, what uh, you know, innovation is really sticking out for you. But I guess we can get that um, in a moment, if you, if you like. We can swing back to that. Now, um, when you were growing up, I, I'd love to know, uh, were you a pet person? Did you have um, pets in your life? Um, yes, cats. Cats. <laughs> I mean, yeah, my family did have a whole string of cats, I think seven over the period of my growing up there. We were a little unfortunate with them, I have to say, but um, uh, I've always loved cats. Yes, yeah. fantastic. And you don't have any pets now? No, I've been traveling too much in um, the last 10, 15 years it is now since doing my coaching um, I need a cat I can wrap around my um, <laughs> shoulder to take with me like a shawl, you know, because I can't just leave it here. And yeah, it absolutely. Here. It's uh, yeah. it's it's all in or it's not at all, basically. I, I, mm-hmm. I wonder, being so busy, Anya, what's a day look like for you? What's, what's your daily routine include? Oh, my goodness. Well, it has changed a lot, um, not just because of COVID, but just before COVID, indeed, the first, uh, the year prior, I was already shifting out of my corporate coaching into trying to figure out how to create this movement for young people. And uh, and so I was actually spending a lot of time in the US and Mexico where I'm building up an institute uh, for innovation to achieve this aim. Mm-hmm. And now I have a chance to do it in Europe too. So I don't have anything regular. Yeah. Um, except that I'm working on creating that and um, not just innovation. As you know, my main focus is really the interdisciplinary science and um, and the spiritual background yes. that I have, which innovation is kind of like um, a happy byproduct, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, I think creativity, cosmology, and consciousness for me are one big thing. You know, yeah. that's my core research, and I love being able to have the effect I do, um, the impact on helping people change their thinking. And that's whether we're changing their thinking about, you know, their daily life um, or their life work. It kind of is the same. Yeah. And uh, that's how I ended up doing so much in creativity because it was working really well. And um, just now, my daily life, I have a bit more focus now on the um, science and spirit that I'd left behind in order to make an impact in corporate and communities. So it's come full yeah, circle. Balancing myself out, yeah, balancing myself out again. When you were younger, you know, you had to have a spark from somewhere. This had to have come some, from somewhere, this interest in science. Were, were there people around you that, uh, I guess, gave you that motivation to get into this field? Or was it something natural for you? Um, well, it, it's a, probably a very funny, weird story. I, um, it, it really still is that combination of spirituality and science and creativity that um, I was... I was very contemplative, very quiet as a a small child and quite distressed by arguments. And, um, you know, there was a period, I guess, where adults around me were um, less than peaceful. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, And I became very, very concerned on how to fix that. 
and um, or escape. You know, I mean, yeah. when you're small, you need your options, right? Yep. And and what was really interesting is that um, I started really feeling drawn to space. You know, I guess space is peaceful, and you know, I could think of a whole heap of other excuses for it, but that was kind of the primary thing. And I happened to tell the librarian at school when I was five or six. And I said, I want to go back to space where I'm from. <laughs> ah. you know, child would say. Yes. And um, and her response was, Oh, you have to be an astronaut then. <laughs> yeah. And so that was kind of a turning point. I started taking out books on um, on space and being an astronaut, and I literally geared. From then on, I made the decision, okay, fine, that's what I'll do. I'll study science, I'll study physics, I'll get into a university astrophysics program, you know, which was very much how I chose my university in Australia. Monash at the time had the best astrophysics program. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I I really aligned all of my um, subject choices and everything so that I could have the best chance at that but it turned out the spiritual component was made more sense to me than quantum physics not because quantum physics doesn't make sense mm-hmm. uh, although that you know arguably is what people say um as you know i have a, a breakthrough product that <laughs> we yes. can talk about some other time where i can really show how using a non-dual framework for thinking, which comes from, uh, let's say, Buddhism, in my case, mm-hmm. how that can help us overcome problems in that we face and have faced for over 80 years in science. And these are the same kinds of problems, it's the same kind of thinking that helps us overcome problems in creativity. And that's really um, how I've ended up combining all of those so i went from science really heavily into a a spiritual phase and maybe i'm not even out of it but the practical outcome was that i could show people how to change their thinking and this dualistic non-dualistic framework or contradiction and paradox is really in a normal person's world that's what it's about contradiction um yeah, that's ended up being the theme of everything. It's my theme in spiritual work because that's what Buddhism is about, mm-hmm. overcoming dualities. Mm-hmm. It's my theme in science saying what does it mean if we do this and it's my theme in creativity and innovation because if we do this, we can solve problems really, really quickly with an enormous impact, stuff that just has hung around for years and years. And I'd love so, to explore this because this is obviously at the core of today's call. Well, I've got a couple of questions for you. Um, mm-hmm. Given that you wanted to go back to space as a, as a child, if you, mm-hmm. you know, with all these uh, uh, pro- progression that they're making with space flight, would you um, endeavour to go on to one of these uh, space flights, do you think? Oh, my goodness. Well, um I, I'd say yes if it seemed reasonable in terms of I'm, you know, getting older. Yes, aren't we all? <laughs> um, yeah, that's the thing. So um, it's not my focus. My focus is really the spirit and soul and heart of people right now, mm-hmm. and um, my spiritual practice allows the possibility of dissolving in space as part of meditation. It's just a really gorgeous gorgeous um way of accessing the the thing that i really wanted um Mm -hmm. so i think for me it's very much more symbolic going to space and that's how i treat it you know like myths 
um, our daily actions show what we want, but there's many levels we can interpret everything on. And, um, yeah, I would go if, um, you know, if it's easy for someone of my age or, you know, in another 10 years it'll be even (laughs) even older. Um, It would be an incredible adventure and I'd love to still do it. Yeah. But, yeah, my main focus is on... um, people's hearts and to enable the um us to see space and feel space in our lives that's really more what it is and And wherever you are pretty much you know having your mind feel that peace and spaciousness allows us to not overreact when things you know seem like you know our immediate reaction doesn't have to be panic um whether it's about you know, viruses or whether it's about, you know, not having enough money or whether it's about solving the technical problem that gets us to space. I mean, as you know, I also, my, my main clients are in aerospace. Aerospace, so yes, so I've been reading. <laughs> Absolutely fascinating. You have a long list of uh, very um, happy clients, I'm sure. You know, there's Airbus, Airbus Group, Ford, Raytheon, and the list goes on and on and on. And uh, I'd love to uh, go into this now and, and ask you, what is the core of your work? Because for anyone who is not initiated into this, they may not really understand it. So I'm wondering if you can simplify it for us. Okay. Well, um, the core concept that I work with and that I uh, teach other people or coach teams to work with is uh, overcoming contradiction, you know, overcoming dualistic thinking. Mm-hmm. And I really use what I, what I now call fundamental patterns of creation because um, as I became convinced of the truth of um, archetypes and... Um, researched this and uh, I worked on a few of everything for my first PhD and the second. <laughs> first one wasn't submitted, so I don't have two. But um, my, my, my idea has always been what are, you know, what are the patterns that underlie everything that make it grow, if you like? You know, um, all myths and all religions tell us that there are certain ways the universe works and why are we ignoring them and we shouldn't. And if we don't and we we looking into it scientifically which is what i did i um i researched hundreds of thousands of examples in every uh, area of human endeavor and um all the hard scientific disciplines to find and prove that these patterns really exist and then i used the buddhist model for working um with mind like on a hero's journey really is what it is mm-hmm. um which we now know uh, is a thing you know lots of businesses are now talking about talk about your client as the hero and blah 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 but i mean it's a real thing <laughs> our lives work out this way and and when we see each um obstacle that we come to as a contradiction that needs to be solved and and we treat our own life this way then um yeah, everything just becomes easier. Nothing is really insurmountable when you are able to clearly see what are the two parts that you are battling with in your own expectations or maybe it's you and your boss and you think, well, my boss is opposing me and um, he has a different idea to me. But when you put those two things together, there is what's called in screenwriting a third option. And uh, in Buddhism, it's, you know, it's enlightenment. It's overcoming dualism gives you enlightenment or liberation. The first step is liberation it's freedom from being stuck and they literally call it that liberation and so um i've created an innovation map 
or um, as I like to call it, the map of all creation, which shows the seven steps <clears throat> that all human beings go through on a hero's journey mm -hmm. to make or create or produce any kind of thing and um, any kind of stuff, any product. And in each step, there's a particular question you have to answer and a particular way you have to work with that step. And it just all builds on one another to, to get you to your ideal final result. That's what we call the end point. Yep. Um, but these seven steps are common in, in all the hundreds of thousands, as I said, or hundred thousand um, examples that I looked at. They're common in philosophy and literature and religion. They're common, you know, they were there when Aristotle spoke about screenwriting and they're still there, you know, in modern Hollywood screenwriting. And um, they're there whether you do knitting fashion design, that's a really cute example, or whether you do aerospace <laughs> design. Yeah, it doesn't matter whether you're making a rocket or you're trying to create a new cute thing that someone is going to buy in your Etsy store. It doesn't matter. You use the same steps. And, okay, maybe not everybody knows the steps. You don't use all of them. It's a little bit like you can be a maths genius and not explain your working. You know yes. how when you're a kid, you write out every line? Yeah, show your works. Yep. That's right. If you don't, then you get full. Don't get full marks. Don't <laughs> <No> pass. <laughs> And I always used to wonder why, you know, because I was a bit like that. Sometimes I could get the right answer. I just knew it, but I couldn't explain how I got it. And I was always like, <laughs> full mark, you know? Um, but now in innovation, that's exactly what I tell people. I'm like, you know, this is intuitive. It's built into us as human beings, and we are not a special case. The entire universe works according to this pattern. It's just there, you know, and I can, you know, show it to you in in literal cosmology the same way I can show it to you in innovation and creativity. But um, just because it's there doesn't mean we're conscious of it. So my coaching program and my training programs are showing people what it is that everybody does or what the universe does and how we can do it to in case you've missed some steps, you see? Yeah. And so what I should really do, and um, this was really silly of me that I didn't prepare this because I could do a screen share, couldn't I? I can show you what this map looks like. If you just give me one second. Absolutely. I will the seven-step map. And I have a three-step map that's... Um, uh, what I show people now as the easy version but I can show you both of those and here we go share screen share screen oh you have disabled it for me so I can't share screen but, um, let's do that um, it doesn't want to work anyway Never mind. Never mind. Um, Never unfortunately, mind. Unfortunately, I can't show you the map because the way that I print it out is, is you know, as big as a table and five people sit around as a team and work together on it. Um, so the map is one thing and uh, and that gives us the, the basic framework of how do we go from where we are now to where we want to be, which is what every coach tries to help their clients do. But I have additional help because I've also created um, these I can show you, um, a set of cards. I and love them. I have <laughs> a little box. I have them in this little box and they're called inspiration cards. And um, they're... There's uh, nine colors of them. Um, they're color coordinated to be the best answers to s nine specific kinds of questions, which are the only questions the universe asks when it creates. And, uh, and you ask these questions in two halves. Um, 
that's so simple. You know, I, I, I do this with seven-year-olds. The first question, <laughs> what do you want? You know, what do you really, really want? And you decide, um, do you want to make a material thing like stuff? Yeah. Um, or do you want to improve an action or behavior? Or in aerospace terms, a function, you know, scientific word of function. Yes, yes. The third category is, do you want to improve something about your environment or space or time? Those are the three options. And um, you know why we have these options is because they're the only three categories that exist in the universe. You can't make reality smaller than those three categories. Because it is. Yeah? You think yeah, about it this way. Like, if you're a child, if, if you're starting to learn to talk and you say table, and that's the only time you're allowed to say that, because otherwise we'll say, what, table, what? You know, <laughs> you have to have a subject, mm -hmm. which is your, usually a material thing or, you know, you as the thing. Yes. Then you have the action, the verb, doing something. The table stands, and then it does it somewhere. It doesn't just stand. It stands here in my kitchen. Has to or, be in space. Um, in space, right? Yep. So those are the three categories, and they're in our English sentence. They're in every language around the world because those are the three fundamental categories that the universe creates with. Has. Those are it. So you decide, do you want to improve a material? Mm -hmm. Do you want to improve action? Or do you want to improve something about environment, space, or time? And that's the first thing you need to know. Excuse it's me. that time of year, isn't it? I've got the same sort of uh, battle going on at the moment, I can assure yeah. you. <laughs> and, you know, like the difference between it's a bit cooler this morning and I turn my heating on, would you believe? So I'm not sure anyone I'm talking to. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, when you've decided what you want, then you have to figure out what's stopping you getting it. Mm -hmm. And it's in the same three categories. So if I want to improve my table, for instance, and I say, well, you know, the leg is wobbly, I have two choices. Do I want to improve the material of the leg or do I want to improve the wobble? So um, let's say I want to, let's say I start with I want to improve the leg mm -hmm. and what's stopping me getting there is the wobble. So I make it that way around. So I, the thing I want to fix is a material and the thing that's stopping it being the way I want it to be is an action. It's wobbling. So these cards are color coordinated so that if I do, if I ask that question, if I say that's what I've got, that's what I want, my best answers are going to be in my orange cards. And you'll see what I've done with these is I, I literally did make them for like seven-year-olds. So they've got a picture on the front yep. so that it appeals to visual learners. And on the back is an instruction. Does this come out the right way around? Yes, make it poll so I can read it. Not yes. Backwards, is it? No, it's not. Okay. <laughs> that would be weird. <laughs> um, make it well, I, I see it backwards on my screen. No, no, so it's right this way. It's perfect. And then it's got a little, like, um, technical mathematical symbol, you know, just an archetypal way of this is what happens. You go from something that's straight and then you make it pulse Oscillate a bit like, Oscillate. That's it. And here's another one. This is an orange on the front. And on the back it says divide it up. Yep. So you can see the front and the back are coordinated. And what I've tried to do is get the four learning styles. So we've got the visual, the verbal, the symbolic, and yep. touching because it's a real Tech stuff. And it's not, yeah, it's not just online. I haven't done it online yet. Could <laughs> <laughs> um, make an app, thinking about an app. Yes, yes. Um, which would be extraordinary because I think on this app we can coordinate hundreds of thousands of kids around the world to contribute to problems with each other. 
and uh, and make a big database where they've got their yeah. own understanding of I, what it is. And I, I just thought of something. Can you imagine the societal impact this could have for for those living in, I guess, third world countries who have these challenges and need a methodology to be able yeah. to follow? So simple. You know, and you're yeah. appealing to everybody because you've touched on those four learning types. Yeah, I hope so because I mean, I, of course, the next thing is once you've once you've got your trigger for the answer. So I've said, mm-hmm. um, just just finishing the explanation of how simple it is to go through the process. If my table is wobbling, and I say I want the table material to be better, and I want to you know to be perfect, and I want the wobble to stop. <laughs> <laughs> and then I pick up this card and it says divide it up. And that is supposed to be an answer for me right now, you know. Um, this um, Obviously, it's not exactly an answer. Now I have to brainstorm and it works best in the team, of course. Mm. You know, how can, what can we divide up so that the wobble stops? And, um, yeah, now this is going to test me right now because um, that's one of the weird things. I always say to people, every single card, you have to have an answer. As a coach, I demand it of them. And as a team of five people, they normally get it, even if they sound really stupid. Because um, the trick is, even if you're having a stupid idea, you don't judge it. Brainstorming is not like that, is it? And then someone else says, oh, hang on a minute, that makes me think of something else. And you piggyback to something that really makes sense. But, yeah, you're right. Seven-year-olds love this process and and they often get it much quicker than adults. (laughs) Yes. And uh, 10-year-olds and teenagers. I mean, teenagers are starting to be tricky. Um, We have to work on that. But, yeah, that was one of my big hopes in Mexico because, of course, it's very easy, you know, to think of this could be a solution as an outsider and it's quite another thing to make it work. But I am working with people who have contacts in Mexican government and, um, you know, lots of charity contacts as well as companies there. And it is, a, you know, it is a concern of everybody at the moment not everybody finds it easy to go to school and certainly um, not everybody finds it easy to have status or make money and drugs are often a thing mm. help kids, um, you know, do something. Of course, you know, there's there's all sorts of other pressures on top of it, but if those are the only two pressures we can address, then what I am hoping we can offer is we can give them an alternate way to learn something to contribute to their society to get both status and an income because you can learn this in you know learn it in two days takes maybe a bit of time to practice but within a month you can get proficient at the simple level and you can help other people find answers they never knew they could have so that's the level of the creativity catalyst if we're just working with the cards and the and the three-step map for instance i'm now um teaching people in two days so training trainers, not just mm-hmm. but I'm running workshops as a coach myself. I'm not doing very much of that anymore. I'm looking for people who want to either add to their existing business um, if they're already coaches or management mm-hmm. consultants and or I'm looking for young people who want to build up a business from scratch because, you know, that's the time to do it, to create a community centre or to go knocking on the door of your local businesses and say, hey, you know, I can help you find an answer for your biggest problem in a couple of hours, you know, can you 
pay me 20, 20 bucks for it, you know, if you're in yeah, Australia. You can actually it. turn this into your own business in whatever way you can conceive of it. And, you know, and I'm trying to help people build up community centres where they've got, say, a library space or um, a, a borrowed space someone can give them for a few hours on a Saturday afternoon where they can invite young people to come and say a group of 10 or 20 people come and then the teacher will show them how to solve problems and so they can then become trainers of other young people so that's the next step first is to learn to do it yourself and help people solve problems and the other uh, next step is to become a trainer yourself and build up your weekend business doing this you know hopefully people are paying for tennis and learning chess i'm sure they'll pay to learn innovation and, yeah so, I, I love it. You know why? Because as a former quality manager, and I was always about continuous improvement and methodologies yeah. like this um, just stand out for me as a shining light in an often dull room where there's a difficulty, I guess, cracking out that first one or two good ideas and then getting the room buzzing with more um, ideas around the table. Um, what you have, um, if you could, if you, you've had some obviously some major wins with this process, just to communicate the significance of this, because I don't want to um, people who are listening to this to downplay it, because it's far more significant in its power than what they may realise. It's not just four or five coloured square cards. Tell us a little bit about some of the projects you've been able to achieve, just to give it some, I guess, some context. Yeah, um, thanks for saying that. Um, it is true. It's funny how often um, people will say, oh, it looks too simple, it can't work for us. But, yeah, all it takes is an hour um, to sit down and, and give it a go and see. Mm -hmm. So I was um, – when I created this, I, I had – just finished a major research project at the University of Bath, which was an interdisciplinary project with a team of seven people where we looked at um, how nature solves problems in all the different biological systems, so eight different levels of ecosystem. And I... Um, I put that together with a Russian problem-solving system called TRIZ, which is an acronym. It stands for Teoria Recherchnia Etzelbetelkowski Sadach, I think. Okay. <laughs> I'm not even sure if the author is, if I get that right. It but sounded good. Yes, theory of inventive problem-solving. And the guy who started that, he looked at hundreds of thousands of patents in Russia and figured out what is it that um, can give him a shortcut to inventing by by. If he knows what the problem was, how did those guys solve it? And he made a matrix of, of what the problems were and the solutions. Now, that matrix has 1,531 problem-solution combinations in it. Mm -hmm. I reduced it um, to nine problem-solution combinations and included every answer he ever had plus all the answers we found from nature. And that's how I've ended up with these. You know, I didn't make these cards up. They had the most, you know, no. the most rigorous um, and most powerful method for innovation that actually exists. Um, thank God you're not asking me what are the differences with the design thinking. I mean, that would take ages to explain. But <laughs> there is, um, the, the main difference is this is both rigorous and it guarantees an outcome. I mean, when I do coaching in aerospace, I don't mm -hmm. work on problems that are less than a million. You know, that's not hard. <laughs> you yes. know, they've got problems. Ideally, I work on billion-dollar problems with a B. And um, 
my track record as a coach with this method, it's not just because I'm good at handling, helping, facilitate people, whatever the word is. Of course, I, I love helping people solve problems. I love helping them think better, be calmer, um, to know that, yeah, we're not limited by the things that face us. That's my personal approach but I could not do it if I did not have this and as I said you know it's and biology and then that map based on Buddhism and all the methods of thinking mm -hmm. if I didn't have this rigorous background I wouldn't be getting those results but it is true I worked I was the innovation first innovation manager at Airbus originally my job was to compare um, the existing Russian system um, with with other systems and we included mine just out of frustration that nothing seemed to work. And I said to, you know, by the end of the year, I sang to my boss, oh, um, <laughs> you know, like I know. <laughs> they were, you know, like the people that we had teaching the Russian system could not get their participants to understand how to do it in under five days. In Russia, it takes a month of full-time training to learn it. And I knew I could do it. The, the core of it in 20 minutes and um, and when I'm training trainers it takes two days so we did the comparison and of course my system won and this was before design thinking existed so I didn't have competitors but I stayed for another 15 years in Airbus and I was there I was already employed as the first innovation manager really mm -hmm. and uh, but we did at that time nobody cared you know we had to teach people what innovation was and why they needed it but um, teams would come to me as a last resort in the beginning and say oh we heard this thing can we give it a try you know we've been going three years and we're pretty happy with our project and you know the deadline's coming and and we have to you know pass it on to our um our boss and you know it'll go into the system and and go to the next team and become part of the aircraft but we heard about this and we want to try it yeah invariably invariably after three years of you know these are the world's top engineers um thinking about how to solve and improve solve problems and improve technical stuff that gets us into space, um, invariably we would come up with answers that they hadn't found in all that time. And these are the top 5% of answers that give you world-changing breakthroughs, that give you that class of invention that, you know, your competitors haven't got it. They just and, don't have um, access to it, do they? Right. And it takes something different. It takes you being pushed out of your comfort zone, out of your normal way of thinking. I mean, you have to be an expert. Of course you do if you're going to make a world health invention. That goes without saying. Mm -hmm. But um, once you're there, how do you break out of what you've got and, and learn something new? And how do you do it in a way that's fun for a team, um, in a way that you can capture every single thing, every single um, part of your thought process of why you decided this problem was important and not that one and why you had this idea and said, you know, it's it's got the potential to be world-class and not another one. And, um, yeah, invariably we would do that. So, yeah. That's incredible. I, I, I sit here and I think to myself, um, you know, there's, there's something to be said for the human mind. There's another thing to be said for coming together as a team and almost like, uh, you know, uh, what do they call it, masterminding to become something even better than what you are. And with this system, this is the third leg of that, of that uh, process. It almost completes the picture, doesn't it? 
It is, it is. I mean, um, there is also a new um, kind of buzz online in the last couple of years. Everyone's saying, you need a system, you need a system. And I'm kind of like, you know, that old childish Australian word, duh. <laughs> duh, yeah. <laughs> it's a given, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, um, if you want to be a classical, if you want to be any kind of world-class pianist, you have to learn there are seven notes and you have to practice scales and you have to know the chord combinations and you have to be able to read music. You have to follow a system of um, both understanding what is the theory and the practice? Both of them are systems. And, and if you've got the right one, they interact. And the same with tennis. I mean, God knows people aren't figuring out how to play tennis and getting to Wimbledon on their own without no. having expert teaching on how to move and, um, and how to play the game. And uh, innovation is absolutely, the use of our mind is no different. And unfortunately, scientists haven't figured out what to do. And that's why I had to use religion as the basis. You know, Buddhism in particular has mm. it very figured out. And then go back to science and say, well, if Buddhism says that, what does science say? And I found all the evidence. It's there in front of our noses. It's just that if you don't already believe there's a system, which no one did, when I, when I created this, when I started my PhD, no one believed there was a system. And design thinking came out, and it's a vague system. Mm. Um, it can't promise to help you find the right idea. It makes you go out and say, what do people want? It puts you in the position where Henry Ford said, if I ask people what they want, they'll tell me they want a faster horse. Yes, it doesn't yes. help you find the breakthrough idea if you are not already at that level yourself of knowing what the expert in the industry needs and being able to push that much further. It's just a catalyst, um, isn't it? Yeah, it is a catalyst. And this is true at every level. When I say expert, that doesn't mean that, you know, your local shopkeeper hasn't got an expertise in knowing his clients. Yes, he does. And um, But the same thing is true at every level. I mean, I'm not saying the shopkeeper has to be an expert salesperson or, you know, if he's from Screwfix, if he has to know everything about how to manufacture and improve the screws that hold tables up. I'm not saying that. Um, but an expert in your local environment is what you have to be, and then you add a system, it's golden, you know? It's golden, yeah. I can I can see that uh, people that are listening to this and they want to become that trainer, especially the younger viewers of, you know, they're entrepreneurs, they're startup business owners, they're looking for something like this, the third leg to finish off this whole process that they have. Um, they will want to know more. So if they're interested in this, where are they going to find you? Okay, well, um, the website for this project is called The Future of Inspiration. I think it's, no, the, on the front, just futureofinspiration.com. Yes, it is, futureofinspiration.com. Um, that's right. And that at the moment, that the homepage is my creativity catalyst page, isn't it? See, now I have to check that. <laughs> <laughs> is that what I've done? I believe that it is. Yeah, or it goes to my book club's pages, which is not live at the moment. It's um, still being created. Right. Um, oh, the Innovation Army, I think, is where it goes. The Innovation Army. Well, look, I can yeah. make sure that uh, anybody who is looking for this, Anya, will absolutely find the links no matter where they go. I will make sure that uh, the links back to the Innovation Army is made available, available for them. Um, right. You, you're going to say? Yeah, yeah. So um, just to loop back to what we were talking about earlier, the Innovation Army, I, um, I consider 
like the second step or the combined first step with the creativity catalyst because the army is about how do you make this a business, a movement, how do you do this in your community or your company? I mean, mm -hmm. I, I'm not actively accepting corporate work, but yes. um, the Innovation Army is what I created for Airbus. 10,000 people got involved um, just by loving it. There was no top-down support. There was, and success stories, of course. Um, but the Innovation Army is what I'm trying to create in Mexico now, um, helping young people um, know what to do as a creativity catalyst and then be able to train others and solve problems immediately for charities in their local environment. So they're making it an impact from the get-go. Yeah. And that's what this is all about, is actually making an impact. It's wonderful. It's a credit to you. You have a wonderful mind to be able to put all of this together. Unlike um, many that I've heard before me, you're actually making a difference. Um, thank you very much for bringing this to the world. And I very much look forward to joining you again on the My Future Business Show. Oh, thanks so much. That's so kind. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the call, then make sure to subscribe, leave a comment, share us with your friends and book your spot on the show at myfuturebusiness.com forward slash interviews. And if you're looking for solutions that will help grow your business, then visit myfuturebusiness.com forward slash shop.